And here I'm going to admit something that I don't like to admit. The startup world often says, hire slow, fire fast. And I have really pushed against that because I believe in people and I believe people develop in their own pace and in their own way. Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation, a talent equity and leadership coaching and advisory firm. We partner with founders and CEOs to create talent-centric organizations, either where they don't currently exist or rebuild companies into talent-centric organizations. We are committed to supporting your vision and values by creating healthy, successful companies, leveraging the best talent, retention, development, and succession strategies. Listen at the end of the show for information about becoming my next guest on one of the most important podcasts for building thriving companies. Here we go. Joining me today is Leslie Hyman, co-founder and CEO of Circa Labs, a company that is reinventing rent. Circa offers financial stability to residents by removing payment friction, improving credit scores by sending positive rent payment data to the bureau and bureaus and more. At the same time, Circa improves the bottom line for real estate property owners. The company mission is to build stronger communities with payment innovation. Leslie's been a customer advocate throughout her career. As the founder of a $250 million life insurance business with AIG, she ran the operations team and developed an infrastructure to support customer acquisition, communications, and billing. At MetLife, Leslie was best known for introducing life insurance to the mid-market consumer by packaging insurance in a box in partnership with Walmart. And at Swiss Re, Leslie was one of the founding members of a high-growth business revolutionizing underwriting process offering customers a better life insurance sales experience. Well, Leslie, you have got a whole whole slew of experience in the insurance industry. Now you're in the insure tech sector. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Carol. Nice to be here. So tell me a little bit more about your solution and the problem that you're solving for your customers? Uh, In order to do that, I'm going to go a little bit back in my own career to Swiss Re, where we were selling life insurance to middle-income consumers in America. And what we found, it was, you know, thousands of consumers buying their life insurance. And what we found is when we went out to bill, and like all billers, we were billing at the top of the month, we would have about 80% where the billing would go through, no issues. And a full 20% where we would get a report back from the bank saying insufficient funds. And that meant they did not have the full amount to pay their premium in their bank account at that moment. And so as we did more research and did more attempts, and that's technically what we did, we learned, I actually personally delved very deep into the payment space, and we learned that it's very common. And What we heard from customers, because we ran large call centers, is that they know when their payment, when when the funds will be in their bank account. They would say things to us very commonly, like, if you just bill on such and such date, can you bill me on the 12th? The money will be there, I promise. Please don't cancel my policy. And so we learned that if you actually work with consumers, they can make their payments. What a novel idea. (laughs) And then we also learned that um, income volatility had gone up significantly, Mm. 40% in the past five decades. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's not surprising there's a gig economy out there. Mm -hmm. And so 
We were looking at solving a problem initially from inside while I was at Swiss Re, Mm -hmm. and then recognized that this was a problem in in the country as a whole, turns out, in the world as a whole. Um, The bills that people receive that are all due at the beginning of the month are significant. On average, if you just look at rent, car payments, and uh, independent health insurance, it's over $2,600 a month Mm. on average for the US. Yeah. I found in discussing this with a colleague who's now my co-founder, that if you split payments up, then you can match the income with the outgo. Mm. And that's really what we look to do. But the problem we were solving, we recognized you know, health insurance, life insurance, that's very important. But rent, that's the number one. Right. Keeping a roof and over your head. The, exactly. Yeah. It's the biggest and mm-hmm. it's the most important. Mm-hmm. And so Heyman and I pivoted to solving the problem in the multifamily rent world. So how does that, how does that look in practice? We discovered, so we did a deep dive. We're not, mm-hmm. we're not the kinds of people who want to just do a little um, technical solution. Mm-hmm. We're the kinds of people who want to really understand your market, understand your customer. Right and make sure that where you're solving is a real solution. Mm-hmm. And so we did a deep dive for months and then years, mm-hmm. um, you know, in-depth interviews with many in industry, learning how the systems work, we're learning how residents work. And so it turns out that it's more than just splitting up rent payment. It, what we built at Circa is an entire payment platform. And it, the way it looks is, it's an app or web, and the property management offers this as the way to make their residents to make rent payments or other payments. And renters just download the app, get set up. They can automate their payment. They can change their payment at any time. But that's the way that they can make their payments fit their specific needs. Right. So they may this. So they may make this payment instead of making it once a month, making, make it over three payments or whatever works for them. Yeah. Funny that you should use three. Um, we split it into two or four uh-huh. or we have what we call deferred, which yeah. means it can be up to the 15th of the month, but still uh-huh. one payment. Uh-huh. Um, we did not do three. I personally think that's a little tough on the math side, but well, it might be. And it's just, it just happened to be the first thing that came into my head. Right. <laughs> no, <laughs> make things more complicated. Heyman, <laughs> who has his own properties, yeah. did personally split them into three for some of his renters. Oh, did he? Isn't that funny? That's really funny. (laughs) He's better at math. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're obviously privately held. Um, Tell me, where are you from a standpoint of investment? Institutional capital, bootstrapping. We did some bootstrapping. We did some, so we took it really seriously. This is paying rent and it's a payment system. Mm -hmm. And we're handling people's money, both the property owners and the residents. So we didn't, we didn't do something that was just a light attempt or a pilot. We built a real system mm-hmm. based on, um, I haven't said it, but my co-founder built the payment system at right. Swiss Re. Right. So he is very understanding of how it's done and how it's done well mm-hmm. and making sure about security. Mm-hmm. So we built a full-on system that was during our bootstrapped friend and family period. Mm-hmm. And we did over two rounds using a safe raise 400,000. 
Then we built the entire thing for much less than four hundred thousand um, dollars, and got into market. Mm-hmm. Then we joined TechStars at the end of last year, and mm-hmm. we took the hundred thousand note from them. Mm-hmm. And after TechStars in April of twenty twenty two, so just you know less than a year ago, mm-hmm. we did a seed round. And we were oversubscribed and we raised $2 million. Fantastic. So uh, let me go back a little bit to that $400,000 safe round. Can you tell me a little bit about when you say safe round, what you mean by that for anybody that may not know? Sure. So say, it's actually a great question. Yeah. Um, it, it's a, a convertible note, but it's mm-hmm. done in a very simple way. It was originally designed by Y Combinator. It is much more used on the West Coast than the East Coast, oh, that's um, but now becoming quite well known as mm-hmm. a method for a, a note. Um, and and just very very simple. It's oh gosh, I think ours might be two pages, and it we don't didn't change it for any of the investors. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it can be done quickly and simply, and we did that. Our attorney though he is an East Coast attorney, was very knowledgeable um, and recommended using a safe. Got it. And tell me, how long did it take you to raise that first $400,000? And, you know, when you talk about a friends and family raise. (laughs) Wonderful question, because it was the first time we were very early Mm -hmm. um, in building the company. We didn't have the backing of Techstars. Right. Um, And was it just you and him on at that time? Yeah, it was yeah. just, well, it was actually him and myself and one other person who's okay. now our solutions architect. Okay. Um, and then we brought on Kate as well. So it's right. Heyman, Divya, Kate, and myself as the mm-hmm. original founders. Mm-hmm. Um, we, it probably took us, it was two rounds um, and it probably took a couple of months each. It was very quick. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some really good followings of actual friends um, and actual family. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we, we built a deck, we had a pitch, we presented, we were very personal and personable with these friends and family. They understood what we were doing. They really believed in it. Like us, they believed in the mission of improving people's lives, helping them be housed. Um, but they also understood that this was an unusual business in that both hel- the mission was important, the impact on residents, mm-hmm. but that it actually could help property owners be more successful and um, improve their profit. Right. Because of course they're able to collect their rent. (laughs) Right. We didn't know that for sure. Now we really have proven that model. That's fantastic. I want to talk a little bit about, and I I mentioned it a little bit in, in your bio, but you know, you go, you go back uh, to working for, you know, three really large carriers. Um, but you know, you got your start before that. Tell me a little bit about your journey. Um, you know, from Sendent, you know, it's, it's been product management into marketing Priceline, and, you know, up through the big carriers. I mean, these are all big companies you worked for <laughs> and, you know, doing a startup is very, very different than working for these mammoth companies. So tell me a little bit about that journey and, and, you know, what, if any, challenges you had going into a company without the kind of infrastructure you were used to? Those are great questions, and I'll try to <laughs> unpack and answer yeah. a few different a few different lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to have to bring up that I'm I was a woman in large business. Um, you know, at AIG, I considered yep. that Wall Street. 
Mm-hmm. Um, being a woman, and I might add, as you only just learned, being a short woman on <laughs> Wall Street is not easy. You know, I, I dressed with, you know, the big heels and yeah. tried, tried to be close to the six foot tall <laughs> men that I worked with, but it wasn't easy. Yeah. Um, there's a lot there. The the progression was interesting. As I was leaving Swiss Re, I was also joining the board of an organization that I consider really important in my life called Grameen Foundation. And Grameen is all about financial inclusion for women hmm. around the globe. And so that, that um, identification, my working with an organization that's really important about helping women in financial inclusion hmm. was near and dear to my heart. And so it helped me in terms of making the decision to start a company. Mm-hmm. Um, I might say that most people who start companies for the first time, unless they um, you know, grew up in Silicon Valley, surrounded by it, cannot possibly know what it's really all about. That's right. Um, Techstars helped. And mm-hmm. I would say that the managing director of our Techstars, Lars Perkins, who's an amazing person and had built a company himself that he sold to Google, um, helped all of the cohort at Techstars understand what it really means to start a company. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there was a lot of conversation about don't expect to get rich quick. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. You have to have grit and tenacity. I think I had built a fair amount of that over the course of my career. Um, But I would say today, it's that team the yeah. founders, plus a few of the newer mm-hmm. um, members of our team who create that community support that makes me feel comfortable and confident mm-hmm. and makes our team work as a team um, in battling some of the difficult things that founders battle in new companies. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, w- I want to... Uh, step back uh, for a minute again to your raise and, and, and I should have asked you this before, but I, I, it just came back into my head and I want to ask you before I forget, um, did you have any difficulty when it was just, you know, when it was just the two of you starting out convincing anybody to give you money? It's a wonderful question. You know, and, and rolling them and giving you money because, you know, so often people say teams get funded, individuals don't. Hmm. Now, that's just a generalization. And of course, there are exceptions to everything. But I've heard many founders say that to me. I'm, I might get on my soapbox here. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> it, the answer is we did quite well and it went relatively smoothly. Mm-hmm. And that's in part because of relationships I had and in large Mm -hmm. part because of relationships that Heyman had. Right. But the true answer in the startup world Mm -hmm. is those who are successful Mm -hmm. are almost always white men who have exited before. Right. Of course. There's a reality there. Let's just call call that out as it is. Yeah. It is super, super Mm -hmm. hard. Mm -hmm. And I mean, look, I raised 2 million. That is... A, a very small amount. It's what we. It's more than what we asked for. But when you look at the Silicon Valley world, it is a very small raise. And in fact, in order to compete, particularly in the payment world, mm-hmm. and then in the multifamily world, mm-hmm. it takes a fair amount of money. Right. And so that is not easy. And I just want to call out it. It. It's hard. 
I mean, women still get two to three percent of VC funds. That is unconscionable. I know it's horrible, especially when we know that women's com- mm-hmm. women-led companies do better mm-hmm. than men-led companies. I mean, it's unconscionable. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's interesting because more and more research is is really indicating that women, especially in executive leadership roles, contribute to the bottom line more than any man does. I mean, every every bit of research is showing that. So, I mean, I, I don't want to sit here and bash men, of course. I love men. <laughs> but, you know, there is, there is a reality that, and, and I, I, I sometimes think it's because, I don't know if it's just that not enough women are, are entrepreneurs. I think that's part of it. More women are becoming entrepreneurs. But I, I think there is a fear. Men fear. <laughs> sure. Please don't I mean, send me hate mail <laughs> when you people listen to this. <laughs> I, but I think there is something there. Sure. I'll do a call out to the CEO of Techstars, mm-hmm. Mael Gave. She's mm-hmm. written an amazing book and she mm-hmm. talks about the facts of raising funds mm-hmm. and being in the VC world. Yeah. And it just is it screams that more money should go to the underserved mm-hmm. women yeah. and people of color. And that, you know, yes. I'm, I'm proud. And, and, yep. And, and I will, I think this is a really good, op- good opportunity to put in a plug for somebody I'm going to be interviewing here in another week or two, uh, who's one of the partners of Foundry, the Foundry group here oh, in Boulder. Sure. Seth yeah. Levine, who I'm interviewing. I've known Seth for north of a decade. And he's he wrote a book recently and specifically about what you've just talked about. You know, the people of color, women, you know, the harder and, and he and he and his his co-writer now are now working on another book. But you know, I'll I'll talk to him more about that. But I I, I didn't want to want to glaze over that because you're making a really important point. And and there are people out there who are working to change that. Yes, there are. And, and I, you know, send bravo to Seth for doing that. Yeah. As, as a white man, right? right. <laughs> so yeah, um, let's talk a little bit about the competitive nature of your business, Leslie. Who, who are some of your competitors? How do you fit into that at this point? And what are you doing differently that's potentially putting you ahead of them? Or that might put you ahead of them? <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely love that question. Um, we are firmly in the multifamily payment space. Right. Um, so I'll just make that clear. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fascinating space because only maybe 15 or 20 years ago, the multifamily world was not even taking electronic payments. Jeez. So still over 75% of properties take payment using checks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? And I'll just point out. 75%. When a a college student finishes Mm -hmm. college Mm -hmm. and is looking for her first apartment and she goes to set up a bank account, it's pretty funny because the story is that the bank teller says, oh, and you'll need checks. And her reaction is often like, what is a check? What's a check? check? (laughs) And the the bank will say, you'll need checks to pay your rent. Right. So there is the story in a nutshell. Um. It is a, 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 a world that is just now yeah. erupting mm-hmm. with new digital solutions. Mm-hmm. And even prop tech is a relatively mm-hmm. new tech. We are squarely in that. Um, and 
We also started before the concept of buy now, pay later became part of our lexicon. Which is like what, Klarna, things like that. And um... so if you go to any retailer and start to buy online, you will be offered the ability to split your payment. I mean, now it's become so you can split payment on buying a six pack of beer. I mean, it's really kind of shocking. Yes. And certainly the banks and the Consumer Finance Bureau are concerned about over leveraging by individuals. Mm -hmm. But I will say, while we are not buy now, pay later, that industry has given us a tailwind. It has made it so that consumers expect Mm -hmm. to be able to split up their payment. Mm -hmm. They expect to be able to pay on an app Mm -hmm. and they expect to be able to get notifications about their upcoming payments. Mm -hmm. We are the only one who is an app, splits up payments, does notifications, and does credit reporting, positive-only credit Mm -hmm. reporting. Mm -hmm. We also are the only one, the only one who helps properties handle back payments, meaning missed rent payments. Got it. And so that's our space. Mm -hmm. The competition tackles some of that. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example. There's one company who has done incredibly well in raising funds that just does positive rent um, reporting to the bureaus. That's all Mm -hmm. they do. Little sliver of what we do (laughs) called a Suzu. Mm -hmm. There's another company that just does flexible payments called Flex. There are no companies that have put it all together as a real flexible payment platform like what we do Mm -hmm. that truly helps the property improve their NOI. That's fantastic. So how are you, I mean, how, how are people finding out about you, right? Are you, is it inbound? Is it outbound? Is it a combination of both social media? What are you doing? Excellent question. We do no advertising, zero. And yet we have had thousands, dozens of thousands of consumers, renters Mm -hmm. contacting us. The demand from renters is massive, uncontrollable. Mm -hmm. We actually try to tone that down because we we actually start by working with a property. So we don't want the renters to feel that we didn't offer them something. But they are asking us to contact their property Yep. And asking their property to get set up with Circa. Are, so when you reach out to those properties, are you having, is there any resistance? Um, <laughs> the answer is yes and no. Right. They're fascinated. They're interested. Okay. Um, and, and who are you talking to when you call in? I mean, are you talking to the owner of the company? I mean, who's your yeah. prospect? Great question. Yeah. The residents generally don't have the way to connect us to the owner or manager. They don't. Yeah, sure. They have the way to connect us to the person they see. That's right. That person is not likely to be able to make the decisions. Correct. And we do the work to get upstream to, mm-hmm. you know, whoever's in charge of payment, platform, mm-hmm. innovation, um, asset management, you name it, something mm-hmm. in that range, owner or management company. Mm-hmm. So we, we do work our way up. Um, it's a, it's a, a tough road. I'll tell you honestly, that's a tough road. Our, our connections are more through relationships because that's how this business works. Mm -hmm. Um, And now through some PR, I'll mention that today, multifamily dive, which is one of the bigger industry um, 
publications did a story on flexible rent payments and actually gave quite a bit of, um, of mention to Circa and our model. So that's exciting. What would you, so, so, so you, you get to the right person, what's the sales cycle? Ah, wonderful question. It depends on who we're talking to. Okay, when right. we get all the way up to mm-hmm. asset the, management, mm-hmm. the sales cycle is relatively quick. Um, I'll call it two to three months. Okay. Um, and, and by that, I mean two to three months before residents can be activated. Sure. Um, when we're talking to regional managers, it can take a bit longer. Um, and the process of getting from, let's say, local on-site manager all the way up to owner or management company, that can take a couple of months. So it ranges. Do, do you foresee, Leslie, as the company grows and gets more well-known throughout the industry of your prospects that you'll be calling in at those higher levels right out of the box? Absolutely. And in fact, it's starting to happen that the, the owners or head of innovation are contacting us. So awesome. that's, that's ideal. And that's what's starting to happen. Okay. So, so when, when the, the, as you said, it's often the renters who are contacting you and say, Hey, can you, you reach out to my, the company that I'm renting from? I mean, are they finding you through fantastic SEO? <laughs> that's, you know, what, are, what are they Googling? <laughs> yes, got them? And, and, and it's amazing. They're just Googling rent payments or flexible rent payments. And I mean, you can try it. We come up quite, quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and many of them I'll be, you know, I don't want to say bad things, but many of them know of flex and have used flex and are looking for an alternative because it's not working so well. So that is part of how they get to us. Gotcha. That's fantastic. So looking, looking at yourself, Leslie, as a first time founder and first time CEO, um, and I'm sure there are more than two or three, but I'll have you pick two or three. What are some of the biggest challenges you are personally facing as a first-time founder and CEO? And what are some of the mistakes you've made so far? Oh, okay. I'll separate those two. Yeah. Challenges, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to harp on it, but it is money. And I often, and, and that's, that's with a, a, a fantastic result in terms of our own raising. Mm-hmm. But if I, if I, I, I say this to Heyman on a virtually weekly basis, if you had 20 million in the bank, what would you do? Yeah. And it's what would you do differently? And I mm-hmm. pick that number on purpose because some of our competitors have raised 20 or more. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, one of our competitors raised 250. So it gives you a sense of what we're against. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so what would we do differently? Truthfully, our build and our product would not change. Yeah. We nailed it. Mm. And we did it at a very reasonable price. And Heyman is absolutely right. You know, I could put thousands of developers on it and it would not change what we would do. Awesome. So truly, it would be marketing and sales. Yeah. We have an amazing new CRO who's building our sales team. His name is Matt Cox and he is from the internal. He knows multifamily very, very well. Fantastic. people in that world know him. Mm -hmm. But I would hand him a team of you know, a hundred people tomorrow. If you had the money. All right. So, so back to the money. So are you raising another round? Like, where are you with that? We will be, we're not, we are not officially starting, but come, you know, sometime early in the year, we will start Mm -hmm. and we'll do it mostly in order to get our sales to grow. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's why you need investment. That's it. 
Do you are, do you have do you have any sense, or are you willing to say how much you're looking for in case there's anybody listening <laughs> in that next round? It's interesting. That next round will not be a big round. That next mm-hmm. round will be just a, a, and it probably will come from mostly our existing um, investors, investors. Yeah. who've been fabulous supporters mm-hmm. um, and believe in what we're doing and believe mm-hmm. in the mission and believe that we're, you know, the results right. we're showing already are so powerful. Mm-hmm. Like we've improved on-time payment of those who are working with us by 17 and percent. Good. We've increased the cash that we've collected for those late payments, those missed months by four times. So the results are so powerful that our existing investors have already shown interest. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll probably be another, you know, one to three million. I'm going to give a very wide range because yeah. I don't know yet. Yeah. And then that will lead us into series A. Got it. Um, okay, so the, the other part of my question that I'd ask her, tell me a little bit about some of the mistakes that you have made as a first-time founder and CEO yeah, and what you've done to correct them. Yeah, I would say in some ways we are where we needed to be, but it took longer than, and it always does, but it took mm-hmm. longer than we had hoped. And so maybe um, do a little bit of sprinting until we're ready for the marathon. So it's go faster earlier, make, mm-hmm. be willing to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason yes. we were careful about that is because we're thinking about those renters and we don't want to do anything to hurt them, right. but that may have slowed our own growth. Mm-hmm. Um, other mistakes, you know, hire as the highest quality you can mm-hmm. at all times. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I would say, We've done a very good job, mm-hmm. but that should have been my focus more than anyone else's. Right. So when did you come to that epiphany that it should have been your focus rather than someone else's? I mean, I, I would agree with you. You're, I mean, the buck stops there. It Well, it always was my focus and it will continue to be my focus and mm-hmm. should always be my focus. I don't mm-hmm. think there was an epiphany moment. I think, and here I'm going to admit something that I don't like to admit. Um, the, the startup world often says, um, hire slow, fire fast. Yeah. And I have really pushed against that. I don't like the fire fast because I believe in people Mm -hmm. and I believe people develop in their own pace and in their own way. And I would say there are some examples where not firing fast worked incredibly well for us. Incredibly well. I will say there are some examples where firing faster would have been valuable. So not relying on somebody where you think it's going to work and it doesn't. Yeah. And how I would net net out what you just said, because I I also do not believe in hire slow and fire fast is you'll get, you know, out of me, you often get your typical sales response. Well, it depends. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Okay. And, and that's what I'm hearing from you. It really depends. It depends on the situation. You know, when I look at my business and, and, and the work I do with founders and in building talent-centric organizations, I have to look at each organization is completely distinctly different, right? They may have new strategies we have to put together and so on and so forth. And I think what ultimately... You know, the people that you're thinking about firing fast, for example, if you're following that logic, well, did we give them what they needed to succeed? Right. Thank right. You. 
you're welcome. And if we didn't, then I'm accountable for that. Not the employee. Exactly. As the founder, I'm accountable for that. Okay. Um, Now, if, if of course we have, uh, as a founder, if I have given that person all the training and coaching and the right support they need, and they still can't succeed, well, then it's time, it's time probably to make it, to make a hard decision. So the answer is it depends. It depends on many things and it's complicated. You just can't, you you know, it's like somebody says, well, here's my solution to this. What solution is not going to work for everybody? Right. So uh, Leslie, what would you say are the biggest opportunities and threats right now in your space? Um, Love that question too. So on the opportunity side, it is an industry ripe for change, particularly the types of change that we're working on, yeah. payment, collection of rent, mm-hmm. back rent, um, use of technology like an app, that falls into the amenity world. And mm-hmm. every property, whether it's workforce or what's called class A, the most luxury apartments, mm-hmm. is looking for amenities to right. attract renters. So it's ripe for that. That's a tailwind for us because we have the nice, sexy app that everybody would love. Right. Um, So that's a real tailwind. The ability to split payments is a tailwind. As I said, buy now, pay later is a big deal. Everybody wants it. So that's a huge tailwind. The threats for us are getting our name out there. And I think we've mitigated a a little bit. You know, working with you is great. Um, We have a PR firm that is central in the industry. Mm -hmm. We (laughs) actually... I noticed just before we got on that in addition to the multifamily dive article, there's another um, publication that just approved uh, an article um, about us. Mm, So it's starting to happen. But that's the real headwind. It's getting our name out there, having it It be just well-known by everybody. Yes. And that, and that takes a lot of time. It really, really does. I mean, I can, I can empathize with that in my own business. Right. Right. Um, so, so we talked a little bit about, you know, as we were talking about the, you know, hire slow, hire fast, whatever, whatever that may be. Um, you currently are at about eight employees. Tell me a little bit about your town strategy so far mm. and where you've seen challenges. We are a for-profit organization, right? We are selling it's B2B2C. So our primary, whether you want to call it client, partner, customer is a property owner. Right. That's as tough a world and as tough a client as you could ask for. Um, and yet we are mission driven. We care deeply about keeping roofs overhead. Mm-hmm. And so what's happened on our search for talent is that people have come to us because they believe in what we're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, I can say just the four founders, we deeply care about what we're doing Many of of us even have impact um, businesses in our backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Um, But then our COO, our CRO, um, our head of partnerships, all of them have joined because of like listening to my demo day pitch from Techstars, reading about us in LinkedIn, understanding Mm -hmm. what we've done and what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And so we're all like-minded. We yeah. all want to grow fast. We all want to make the bottom line better for the property mm-hmm. clients and our own bottom line. 
but we're all getting up in the morning every day thinking about making sure that those residents are able to pay for their rent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's this, it's this sense of mission that has created our talent development. Mm-hmm. Now, this quarter, I'm working on a real organization that has both HR capabilities and talent development and attraction mm-hmm. capabilities. And we're using technology to support that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're using those within our organization that know a lot about it to support that. Um, and that's where we're going. Yeah, that's terrific. So, you know, obviously this, this next raise of yours is going gonna, is gonna to be um, critical. But if you sort of look uh, over the next 12 months, what does the growth of your organization look like? from a people standpoint. It definitely looks hockey stick like um, once we get a few of the bigger properties, Mm -hmm. they will become, we actually already have amazing testimonials from some of the bigger ones. Um, I didn't mention it, but one of the things we do is actually integrate with their existing Mm -hmm. um, property management software systems. Mm -hmm. And one testimonial comes from somebody who manages 12,000 units and she talked about having a 15-minute call and having us integrated with their real page, which is the largest of the property management software systems, sure. Im- immediately, and that it's been that simple ever since. So it's, it's testimonials like that and sort of screaming from the rooftops about what we do that will make that growth happen really quickly. I th- I, you know, I'm confident that our team will be great, mm-hmm. but we still need those testimonials from mm-hmm. owners and managers. And that's right. what will really, is an industry that, uh, you know, I went to NAA, the National Apartment Association convention last year, 12,000 people in the San Diego Convention Center. Mm. And yet they all talk about being a family. It is mm. a family style industry. And so word gets out there. And I firmly believe that once we have a few of those 12,000 unit properties, where we've got testimonials and people talking about what we've done, right. that we will start growing at a rate that I want to make sure we can stay on top of. Mm-hmm. How do you spend your time when you're not working? <laughs> I walk a lot. I run a lot. I love dogs. Um, I love baking. And I care deeply about my family. As a founder, how many hours a week are you putting into your job? <laughs> you know, because of my background, at places like AIG, my job was basically 24 seven. And I look at tools like my phone as support, not a burden. I can ignore something when I want to ignore it and when I want to be present in something other than my work, but I can do my work when and how I want because of the tools that we have. How many hours I put in, I don't know. It ranges. I'm never far away. I, I, because I'm the CEO, I really care about being there for my team. They can reach out to me anytime in yep. whatever way works for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so no weekends for founders, huh? <laughs> no, but, but I take my time when I want to. I, I understand. I'm yeah. a very early riser. So my mm-hmm. sort of 5, 5.30 to 7.30, that's yeah. my time. Yeah. Yeah, listen, I, you know, I, I, I think that's, 
that is really, and that's, that is among all the founders I think I interview and that I've known over the years is the, you know, one, one said to me one time, I never missed one of my kids' ball games, you know? It's going to make me cry. Because you're a founder doesn't mean you can't be part of your family life, right. right? And I think, you know, whether, whether it's just people realizing how to, uh, I had somebody recently say, you know, we don't talk about work-life balance. We talk about work-life um, uh, uh, blend. How do you blend your work life yeah. with your home life, yeah. right? And I, and I thought, and I said, I'm going to steal that from you because I actually really love that. And, you know, it's even for myself, I, you know, in, in the warm months, one to two mornings a week, I, I go horseback riding really early. Mm. Love because that. it's too hot to go in the right. evenings around here. Right. So if I want to ride during the week, sometimes it's one to two mornings a week, aside from my weekends, yeah. um, where I'm out of the house at 6 a.m. <laughs> love it. You know, I, you, I'm doing uh, that regularly. I yeah. live on the water and mm-hmm. water calms me. Yep. Very important for me. Yeah. Well, and as it is when I spend time with my horses, right? So, so that's super, super important. So if somebody listening to this, um, is thinking, wow, I love what this company is up to. Um, I'd sure be interested in, you know, investigating working for them when they could hire somebody like me, what should they do? So they can always go to wearecirca.com and they can contact us through our website. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I will see what they write. Yeah, okay. So don't feel they that won't you're fall anxious. into a black hole. Okay. Yeah. No, we, we actually, all of the leaders will see it. We are there. Okay. Mm-hmm. We will respond. Fantastic. So, um, is there anything I have missed asking you about that you want to say? Um, no, I think we touched on it a little bit, but I might just double down on the importance of team. Um, our team is probably more team than most. We are distant. We live all over the world. Mm-hmm. We use technology like Slack or video conferences right. to be close to one another. Um, we give where is where it's needed. We mm-hmm. always want to know about each other's personal lives so that we can support. Right. Um, I think that's really what sta- makes us stand apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I personally feel it as founder. I don't go through those big troughs because. The team's there. Well, what more do I need to say? Leslie Hyman, co-founder and CEO of Circle Labs. Um, I'm always delighted when I get to interview a female founder. So thank you so much for being with me. I just loved hearing about the company and what you're up to. Thank you, Carol. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Authentically Successful. If you are a successful founder or CEO who would like to be on this program, please visit verticalelevation.com slash podcast slash apply. If you learned something from this interview and it made a difference, please share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend. And if you know of someone who would be a great guest, tag them on LinkedIn or Twitter to let them know about the show and include the hashtag authentically successful. I love seeing your posts and great suggestions. Lastly, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. And to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to our website, verticalelevation.com, or follow me on LinkedIn. This is Carol Schultz. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.